Okay, Rabotai, good morning. Breakfast today is sponsored in loving memory of uh, Joseph Edis, Alava Shalom, and of his father, Robert J. Edis, Alava Shalom, Yishmat Yosef Ben Geres, sponsored by Esther Edis and the family, and also in loving memory of Masuda Amos, Alava Shalom, Yishmat, Masuda Bat Hasiba, and Rabbi Hananya El Malim, Alava Shalom, sponsored by her son, Gabi Amos. Okay, Rabotai, there's a uh, a, a moment in the, uh, in the story of Yosef and his brothers, which is worth further exploration. The Pasuk says, as we mentioned yesterday, Yosef was unable to hold out any longer. Do you remember we spoke about this idea and we said that the implication, the diuk, the, uh, 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 the outcome should have been differently. It seems like Yosef is saying, or the Pasuk is saying about Yosef rather, that there was nothing he could do. He couldn't hold it out any longer. But if he could have, he would have. Why? Because the process here was really one of Teshubah, of Tikkun. So he wanted to fix, he wanted to fix the mistake that they made with the brothers beforehand. But he realized in that moment that there was nothing more. He had no, no strength left in him whatsoever. This is where he was at right now. He was going to explode. He was going to, you know, start crying. He was going to, you know, have to tell them, Ani Yosef. And he didn't want his brothers to be embarrassed in front of the Egyptians. So he says, Otsiu kol ish Take out all the people from the room. Or every single person that was an Egyptian got up and left the room. And then, like the Pasuk says, and there was no one there. Behitvada Yosef elechav. When Yosef uh, revealed himself to his brothers. Rabotai, it's super important to understand what happened here. Yehuda, when he stood up, knew that he was trying to kind of play to the heartstrings of Yosef. He didn't know that Yosef was his brother, but he wanted to make him understand the, you know, the uh, emotive nature of the situation as it was. A father sitting at home, waiting hopelessly, and in many ways helplessly for his own son to return. And, and, and all of that was in his hands. If they could just... If they could just convince him that their hearts were pure and they were not there with some sort of ulterior motive or ulterior agenda. In that moment, Yosef's heart broke. Say the Sifre Musa and Lev Shalom, that Rav Shalom Shwadron says something unbelievable. Here's a guy who's broken. So much so that the plan that he'd been crafting and harboring in his heart for 22 years. You know, he'd been thinking, dreaming about this moment. And the pain that he puts himself and his family through. You know, all he needs to do is hold that just another minute. But he can't. He's literally going to explode. So he can't do anything. And yet, at that moment, when all he wants to do is tell them, Ani Yosef, he realizes that if he says it, he's going to embarrass them. So he manages to marshal superhuman strength to, to stay silent, to hold it in. And not only that, what does he say? Ishmaelai. Says Rav Shwadron, could you imagine? It's not like he's sitting in a prison. You know, everybody outside to the yard. You know what I mean? He's not the, everyone runs out. He's a, he's a king. What does it look like when the king's ministers leave the room? Everyone's moving in slow-mo. Until they leave with the robes, with the thing, in pomp and circumstance. They all bow to the king probably before they leave the room. Hotsiukul Ishmaelai was a, was a production. And not only that, he keeps... Quiet the whole time because he can't fathom embarrassing them. Let's take it one step further. The Midrash in Tanchumah says that Yosef in that moment exposed himself to incredible risk because this man, he posed not only a threat to Binyamin, not only a threat uh, uh, to the brothers, but he posed a threat to the very life of Yaakov Avinu. They, he knew in their head, in their head he was a Rodef. 
in that moment, it would have been mutar for them to kill him. So all of a sudden, all the guards leave, all the ministers leave. What, what did he give them a chance? He gave them a chance to kill him. He risked his life. Says the Tanhuma, why? Because Yosef said, mutav she'ehareg. Better that I should be killed than I should embarrass my brothers in front of other people. Indeed, we quote the Gemara where the Gemara discusses this idea of Noach lo the Adam. It is better for a person better to throw yourself into a furnace of fire than to, uh, than to embarrass, embarrass somebody publicly. The Gemara reads it, tells it from a story. The Gemara says with the story of Marukva, where Marukva and his wife would deliver care packages and tzedakah every, uh, every, every Friday, every Thursday night before Shabbat. And one day, the guy opens the door and he's about to see who his benefactors are. They knew he would be embarrassed. So they start running down the thing. The guy's chasing them. He wants to see who the mystery donors are, but they knew they'd even be embarrassed if they found them. They turn a corner and all that's left there, the Gemara says, is a uh, oven of a nachtom, the oven of the baker. The bakers at the time, they wouldn't extinguish and start the oven again. It was too cost effective and time effective. So, uh, uh, you know, they would, it was to, in order to leave it running at the time. So they would leave it kind of with the embers in it. We'd be boiling hot over the night. And then they'd just add fire in the morning, add wood in the morning. And then they'd kind of fire up the oven and they'd continue their work. Marukva and his wife jumped literally into a furnace of fire in order to save this guy from being, uh, from being embarrassed. But where did they learn it from? The Gemara says that the biblical source for this concept of Noach Adam is from the story of Yehuda and Tamar. Tamar had the goods on Yehuda. She could have pointed it out, she could have called him out, she could have said who it was. She had his, even his things in, the prop, in her pocket that could have been the big reveal. Look, I have his signet ring, I have his staff, I've got everything that I need to put the guy away for 30 to life with no good behavior. But instead, what does she say? She says, the person who these belong to, hakerna, recognize them. She offered Yehuda that chance because you, Tamar understood that at that moment, even though Yehuda, by the way, might have kept quiet and the result would have been that she'd have been punished for her uh, alleged act of adultery by being burned, her and the, and the children uh, that were inside of her. In that moment, Tamar understood, Noach lo Adam, better than a person. Should, should be thrown into a kivshana esh than to be embarrassed on a berabim. Now, Rabotai, that's something, of course, we could all be careful about. But I wanted to point at a, a little bit of a deeper point, at least in the way that I understand. Look at Yosef. Yosef suffers from a repeated condition. This condition requires incredible strength from, from Yosef. But it seems that Yosef's story is always one. His conflict his nisayon is always one of holding back. In the story of Potiphar, the Gemara tells us he wants to. He wants to commit the sin. He's all of the energy that he has, the Pasuk says, and the ish in babay, there's no man left. And the Chachamim explained that that word doesn't mean that there's no one just left at home, but it meant that there was no man left in Yosef to fight against this fight, to stand up against his Yetzirah, and to be able to, to accomplish the Sidkut that he would eventually be named for when he's called Yosef HaSadiq. And in that moment, Yosef, what does he do? He holds back. He manages to control himself. In the story as well over here, he wants to carry on with this charade with the brothers. And again, lo yachol Yosef The idea of Yosef is a constant struggle to be able to control oneself. Ironically, the same story with the, with the story of the dreams. Like the Pasuk says, oto al They hated him on his dreams and also on his 
Words, isn't that fascinating? On his dreams and on his words. Why on his words? Because it wasn't the dreams that made him hate them. What made him hate him was the fact that he was telling it over to them. So again, Yosef's challenge was the challenge of holding back, of maybe not saying something. Rabotai, this idea, the concept of givurah, of, of human strength, is illustrated more quite often by the things that we do not do, that we hold ourselves back from, than the things that we do do. And that is a, a lesson, I think, for all time. The expression of givurah by being able to marshal and to control oneself in the, in a, in the height of passion or, or, or anxiety. I want to end with this one, one uh, story which absolutely blew my mind. The, uh, uh, amongst the Hasidim, one of the great Rebbes was a man whose name was the Rebbe Rev Heschel. You know he's really great if they called him the Rebbe Rev, because they got twice in the name Rabbi. Like they used to say, so nice, they named it twice. Rebbe Rev Heschel was once engaged to be married to a specific girl. They come after the process of getting engaged, they come to the Shabbat Chatan, so it's now the week of the, of the wedding. He comes for the Shabbat right before he's supposed to get to Aliyah. What do they call that in Yiddish? It's called the Ufruf. Okay? I remember there was once a, a, a Syrian guy whose daughter got married to an Ashkenaz, uh, to Ashkenaz guy, and he kept telling me, I hope you're going to be with us for the woof woof. He thought, it, I don't know what he called it, he thought it was a woof woof. I, I, I was trying to explain to him, it's not a repeated barking, right? It's oof roof, it means that they call the man up to the sefer. But I think he kind of stuck with it. He invited people at the night. He, he welcomed people to the woof woof. It was one of the funniest weekends I've ever, I've ever spent. Watching the face of the Ashkenaz father-in-law looking at this guy who's barking the whole Shabbat. Okay, so he's at the Shabbat, the Rabbi Heshel, he's at the Ufruf, and, uh, and he looks out the window at the house that they got for him next to the house of his in-laws. And they were preparing at the time, they prepared the very thin dough in order to make noodles for before Shabbat. Erev Shabbat, they lay out the noodles in order to rise, and there's a chicken that must have smelt or seen the dough, and it jumped on the perch and it started pecking at the noodles. Who comes along and sees this while he's watching this happen? His future wife. He sees his wife get so angry, she grabs the chicken and she starts bashing the chicken against the wall in her anger. Rabbi Rav Heschel says to himself, this is, the guy, this is the girl I'm supposed to marry with such uh, cruelty to animals. You know, the Hazit, the guy, uh, all he wants is some noodles. Was death by noodles? What's going on here? You can't, you can't, but at the same time, it's the Shabbat of the wedding. The Ufruf, what's going to happen? How's he going to go and say, you know, uh, you know, that this girl, she's cruel, I'm not going to marry her. I don't want my children to have that streak in them. It's not, but he knows he can't marry her. You know what he does? This is this unbelievable. He knows he can't say anything that's going to embarrass her. He walks straight into the synagogue, Erev Shabbat. He makes a beeline for the, what's it called? For the, uh, the Teba. And he grabs the, the, uh, the kupa of, of tzedakah, of charity, and he starts emptying it into his pocket. People say, what are you doing? And he starts making like he's trying to leave the Beit Knesset. They, they, they bomb tackle the guy. Two guys take his legs. Another guy takes his things. Ya'ani Lawrence Taylor. They flatten him out like, you know, NFL hardest hits. Coins are going everywhere, right? They put the money back in the kupa, and now they're left with the terrible opportunity, the terrible situation where they need to go and tell the father-in-law that his son-in-law is a thief. They tell the father-in-law the guy's trying to steal the kupa. What does he do, of course? He breaks the shiduch. Rabbi Heschel goes back home with a big smile on his face. 
His father comes up to him, he says, you know, I'm so embarrassed. He goes, I can't believe it. He goes, I keep hearing this thing, but I know in my heart of hearts, you're such a sadiq, you're such a good guy. There's no way that you stole this. And Rav Heshel said, you're right, dad. He says, but this is what I saw. I didn't want to marry her. And, and I knew that I couldn't publicly embarrass her that way. So I thought, you know what? Better that they break up with me than I break up with them. Now, I've heard that line in relationships, but that doesn't mean that you're publicly humiliated. But Noah, Adam, better to throw yourself in the, in the fire yourself than to embarrass somebody else. Let's remember this great lesson in our interactions with people that we love, with the people that we know, with the people that we meet. And to the great blessings that come with somebody uh, who uh, puts somebody else's kavod above themselves. And to the coming of Mashiach Amen.